Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit ByteRadio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special returning guest is Emily Thoreau-Threat, and we will be talking about her new uh, Grief and Happiness Handbook and Cards. In these times of uncertainty and loss, all of us need to support to effectively navigate life's challenges with tools that can make the journey a bit easier. With much personal experience with grief and loss, Emily can offer audiences real answers on how to deal with grief and move forward to a life filled with happiness and love. Emily Thoreau Thoreau is an author, podcast host, speaker, and facilitator of the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Her books include Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief, A Comprehensive Guide to Reclaiming and Cultivating Joy and Carrying On in the Face of Loss, and also the Grief and Happiness Handbook, A Supportive Guide to Help You Reclaim Your Life While Grieving, the Grief and Happiness Cards, and Gentle Support for Dealing with Grief and Finding Happiness. For more information, you can visit her website, which is www.griefandhappiness.com, or you can also visit lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com. Okay, with that, I'd like to welcome Emily to the show. Good day, Emily. Aloha. It's nice to see you, or hear you, rather. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, it has been just a little over two years um, since we spoke, and then during that show, we we talked about the Loving and Living Through Grief book, and so now I'm anxious to find out about um, your newest uh, book and cards. Now, um, you are on Maui, and of course, Maui's been in the news with such devastation from the fire there, so... That island has been going through a whole lot of grief. So can you just share with us, I mean, because, you know, you focus on grief and, and happiness. So tell us, you know, from your perspective, um, just, you know, what you see and, and how the islanders are coping with with their grief. Well, this has been just, um, it, it's hard to find the right word to describe the experience because it's been uh, – tragic and uh, just very, very sad experience that we had here. I've heard so many stories that have happened to people that have been just kind of beyond comprehension that that we live. Maui is just an absolutely beautiful place. And for just all of a sudden, within a matter of a couple of hours, to lose a whole community, including everything, the stores, businesses, jobs, post offices, and that's all beyond the the homes that, that people have lived in, especially lots of people who are Hawaiian who've lived here 
in families, groups uh, for many, many years. And it, it just, it was shocking. And one thing I think a lot of people don't realize that it wasn't just Lahaina that burned. We had fires all over the island. I live about a half an hour away from Lahaina. And one of the first stars started, fires started just a couple of miles from me and woke me up in the middle of the night with heavy smoke and was very frightening. And we ended up uh, welcoming into our home here two people that were evacuated from that fire with along with their two dogs and two cats. We did have lots of shelters that opened up right away and they would take like one animal or and that animal had to either be on a leash or, or in a, a crate and they had two of each and they didn't want to leave anything behind. So we were able to, to let them stay with us and they stayed with us for six weeks. And in their case, they were really fortunate that their their house uh, didn't burn. It had lots of damage to it, smoke damage and um, broken windows and that sort of thing. And they lost all the beautiful foliage that was around their house. There were just tons of it. And all but, uh, I think, two houses in their whole neighborhood burned to the ground. So it was it was amazing that theirs didn't. So they've they've been able to return and continue the work on fixing it into a, a livable state. Wow, yeah, it. it I mean, I I can't imagine, you know, the the, uh, the amount of, of grief, um, you know, and you know, in the, the loss of life um, that uh, the people experienced. I know that the Aloha spirit is, I'm sure, helped. Um, elevate, you know, the kind of the consciousness, I guess, of, of the people there to be able to to come together, to be able to, um, I guess, take it just step by step. That's really true, and and that's really significant too, because um, aloha. The word aloha means a lot of different things, but the primary one that people think of is love, and. It's it's really shared freely here on the island, and the acts of compassion and all the things that people have done for each other, I, I, you wouldn't believe how much stuff was donated very very quickly to to help people with what they needed because literally thousands of people had no homes, they didn't have they lost all their possessions, uh, no food, <laughs> the, the clothes on their backs, mm-hmm. and it, they. People on the island just emptied out their closets and brought food and um, made contributions. And I know I I set up a little Facebook fundraiser because I I usually do that for my birthday and and do pretty well with that, with getting uh, support from my nonprofit, the Grief and Happiness Alliance nonprofit. But I thought, well, I'll just try this for the Maui Food Bank because the Maui Food Bank distributes a lot of food on the island already and they're all set up to do that and I knew it would be a really good place to do it. And within a couple of days, I had $6,000 donated to the Maui Food Bank through that one little fundraiser. And that's the sort of thing that happened with a lot of people. We just opened up our hearts and our arms and did whatever we could. And that's been quite beautiful. But the, the tragedy and the things that people have faced are just kind of beyond belief. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the one thing that comes out of that 
a tragedy like that is the uh, compassion is the yes. um is the love and you know and um you know to have it happen to such a community like you know the Lahaina and you know the Maui community um i think it just um kind of makes that um that compassion even you know compound you know in in, this, in the sense where you know we're, a lot of times you'll see um you know tragedy happen in maybe third world countries where you know i'm it's tragedy but you know it's also there you know people in some environments are have a really challenging you know life to live you know um and you know to to have this happen to such a an old established loving community to begin with kind of just shows the extent you know of um just how far and wide you know compassion can be yes yes it does it, it's just amazing how how kind and beautiful people can be to each other now with your work with grief and and we'll talk about your alliance a little bit later but with your work in, in happiness and grief you know what can you talk about um the process of moving from grief to happiness and and the idea of now you know it's been said people grieve very differently and that you know the amount of time it takes to process one's grief is as individual as the person um but from your work can you tell us a little bit about the idea of um you know that process of transformation and in timing that's an interesting question because I, I have lots of people say, well, how long does it take to get over grief? And my answer is you don't. <laughs> you know, if okay. if you have someone who you love, like I've had two husbands that I loved them both deeply and they both died and I still love them. I didn't, uh, you know, they say from death to from uh, till death do you okay. part in the traditional wedding, mm-hmm. wedding vows. And uh, it's kind of not like that. When when uh, my first husband who died after, after he died, I thought, you know, I don't feel unmarried just just because he transitioned out of the form he was mm-hmm. in here. I I still love him like his wife, and it, it took me quite a, a while to be able to get to the point where. I was comfortable with the idea of of meeting my next husband because I I had no intention of getting married again. I figured I had a great marriage and I didn't need to do that again because I couldn't imagine one being as good. And it was different. Mm -hmm. It it was totally different. And I still now that that both of them uh, aren't here with me, I feel that I love them. I still carry them in my heart. It doesn't prevent me from having any kind of uh, relationship with the rest of the world. It it enhances it, actually, because that love was so deep and so beautiful that I focus on that instead of on the sorrow that, that comes with grief. So there's, I don't see a timeline to answer your question for 
getting over grief because I, I don't believe that that happens. It changes. It evolves. I believe that you move forward to just uh, being done with grief. You, you mm-hmm. just move forward in your grief. Yeah. Well, you know, that makes sense. The, you know, the, it seems to me that, you know, the key, as you're explaining it, is the focus on the the love in, in the good times. I mean, just the, the positive aspect of the individual being in your life, your husband being in your life, and not necessarily the fact that, you know, you can't continue making new memories like that, you know, in, in the present yes. present form. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. that's okay. right. It, it... Yeah. So now, when when it comes time for processing grief, um, I believe you, if I remember correctly, um, <laughs> believe in the power of journaling. Um, so oh, can yeah. you tell us? <laughs> Can you tell us about, you know, about about your belief in it and, and just um, the benefits? Well, I I think journaling is one of the the most, if not the most, valuable thing to do to help process grief, because it, you can things out of your your head you know if you just sit and think about oh i'm so sad and this is so bad and every you know then that's all that goes Mm -hmm. on around and around in your head and it's hard to move forward where if you start writing things down your your brain kind of gets tired of writing the same thing and so Mm -hmm. you'll find that you can break through and get deeper and find more interesting things to write about and for me, I write every morning, actually before I get out of bed, I, I, I sit up in bed with my journal and, and do my morning journaling. And I usually do at least three pages, sometimes four or five every day. And I don't really count how, how much I've, I've written. It's just I, I start and I finish. And I start off by uh, expressing gratitude for for a set of things like uh, for for guidance, for inspiration, for um, comfort, for support, for protection, I, that, that sort of thing. I begin at, at the beginning of my journal. And then the next thing I write is whatever is, is kind of on my heart that day. And sometimes I do something that, that's uh, called scripting. Um, Andrew Cap came up with that term where you uh, write as if whatever you'd like to have is already there and it's it's kind of cool because I, I can put it like uh, if I'm writing as if it's five years from now and I write about what my life looks like at that point and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting what, what comes out <laughs> when you do that and I find that the more I do that, the more interesting things come out and the more things actually start happening to me that I don't, I'm not sure I would have thought about before had I not journaled and discovered it while I was journaling. So that's, that's one of the things that I do. Another thing that I do is kind of checked into, check in with my, my loved ones who have already transitioned there there's so many people in my life my my parents my sister lots of different friends lots of relatives uh all besides my two husbands 
there's there's tons of people who've gone before me and if i'm i'm thinking about them in particular i'll give you an example of a couple of days ago i was thinking about my dad and he's been gone a long time and we had a good relationship i admired and respected him so much and he he was a, a good example to me I, I learned lots from him but there was so much i didn't know about him because he he grew up um he came out from Oklahoma. We've all heard about the Okies coming out in the dust storms and that happened mm-hmm. in the 30s and he and his dad moved out here and his two sisters because uh, his mom had died. They moved to California in 1929 so they said they weren't Okies. <laughs> so <laughs> wouldn't that always crack me up? <laughs> but uh, they, they, when they got to California, he and his dad, even though he was very young, they started working in the fields. And because they did get there early, his dad was able to be like a supervisor and had had a little bit more job security when he got here as far as having something to do to support his, his family. And that was hard. The whole thing was very, very hard. His growing up when he was young was hard. He didn't have a whole lot of education. And he just never told me much about it at all. And and I wish I would have known. And I I started writing him about that the other day in my journal about and telling him, you know, just saying how much I admired him and and that in in spite of all the things that he went through, he made an amazing, amazing life for himself and, and opportunities for me that most kids would never have. That because of of his um, just willingness to step out and, and help people, he was a, a real veterans advocate. He'd been in World War II, and so he he worked with the the veterans a lot for the rest of his life. And he he was uh, he was just really cool. And the, the reason I'm telling you that is because I was exploring that sort of thing in my journal and thinking about, well, what did I really learn from him and that I didn't really think of at the time, or maybe I didn't think it was important at the time. And I just, I felt closer to him after that than I have in years, and it felt really good. So you you can pick, you know, in anybody that you know and just write to them with them. And sometimes I feel like I'm getting answers from them, you know, the, telling me, mm-hmm. me things that I I would have loved for them to tell me face to face, but it's it's wonderful to hear them now. And I can't tell you for sure where that comes from, but I choose to believe it's coming from them. And that's just yeah. a wonderful thing to, to journal with. And then I go from there into kind of what my intention for the day is. And that that would be what, what I it's not a to do list. It's it's how I want my day to be. And then I always record at least three things that I'm grateful for. And I don't just say I'm grateful for my home. I I say why, you know, <laughs> whatever it is I'm grateful mm-hmm. for, I write about that because that, that makes it deeper. And then uh, the the thing that I finish with before I say, and so it is at the end, I always say something that brought me joy the day before. And by writing about something that brought you joy, Whenever you start to feel like you're not real happy or things aren't real great, I can flip through my journal and see every day something has been bringing me some form of joy. And that just feels really good. 
And it really has helped get me to the point where right now I feel happier now than I ever have been in my life. Even with all the loss I've dealt with, I'm, I'm very content and happy now. Well, that's a wonderful practice, and there's a lot in there, you know, as far as. Yeah. (laughs) um, Well, well, you know, I mean, but it's it's kind of like you're setting your setting the the parameters of your day, setting the you know, Mm -hmm. kind of setting up your day in a positive way. Yes. Yeah, it does. It it gets me started off on on the right foot. I don't get up groggy, you know, and yeah. just kind of uh, going through the motions. It it gets me started with being awake. And one of the first things I do when I wake up in the morning and go, I woke up. <laughs> this is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm around for another day, <laughs> or at yeah. least started off for another day. Um, now, do dreams ever kind of fall into that journaling process? Yes, they do. Um, a lot of times I don't remember my dreams, but if I if I really think about it before I go to sleep at night, a lot of times something will come through in a dream. Uh, for instance, last night I had a dream that, that when I woke up, I thought, oh, that was a horrible dream, and that just, how negative and stuff. And I thought, okay, I'm not going there. So I started writing about it, and I wrote what actually happened there, and I discovered that what I thought I was experiencing in my dream actually was a lesson in something that was good for me to think about. And I, I thought that was really cool. Because the person I, I dreamed about, I, I have no idea who this, this man was in my dream. He was a neighbor, and he didn't like me, and he was doing things that irritated me. And when, wow. when I wrote about it, I got it all worked out, and, you know, it just it felt good when I was through. Instead of carrying that negativity throughout the day with me with this this uh person that wasn't very pleasant i was able to just uh say well he's on his path and whoever he is and it it doesn't really concern me he'd like it to concern me but it's it's not going to because it was it was his issue not my issue and i didn't have to worry about it all day so i could smile and go on instead of uh being grumpy Yeah. Well, you know, and I've had many of those that I've woken up and thinking, "Oh Lord," (laughs) yeah. (laughs) um, But but you know, as you you know, as you explained your process, uh, you know, the process of of going through the dream, you know, it seems that you know the idea of you know not taking on other people's problems. I mean, if other people have problems, you know, not to internalize that. You know, um, yeah. and that's an important lesson for a lot of folks, I think. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Hmm. Well, well that that's really good. You know, that's a, a good. Now, is that the only kind of journaling you do is in the morning? Do you do it at night as well? No, I, I focus on the morning because that's what works for okay. me. I know some people always journal at night because that's what works mm-hmm. for them. So you've got mm-hmm. to be in, in tune with your, your own rhythm and, and see what serves you best and, and choose to do that. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so now another one of uh, these, I'm, what I'm kind of 
you know, the topics I'm bringing up are, are some of the things that you cover in your um, grief and, and happiness book um, topics. But um, one of the, the topics is um, about um, changing your surroundings. So mm-hmm. tell us how that um, can serve in processing grief. Well, I'll give you uh, an example that that happened with me. We had moved to Maui about two years before Ron died. He lived here a long time before I knew him and and really loved it here. And when he was getting so sick, he said that's where he really wanted to be. So we just moved over here. Um, Never thought I would. It just, you know, it happened and it seemed like Mm -hmm. the right thing to do. And he had... uh, we we got married later in life, and so he had both of us had quite a collection of our own stuff, art in particular, things that that we had collected over the years. And I really liked my things, and he really liked his things, and they didn't always go together really well for me, you know, with with how they looked. And after he was gone for a while, I thought instead of trying to have have be surrounded by either mine or his that I would have something that was different now for me, something that would support me, something I'd like to look at every day. And a friend of mine really loved these three particular artworks that I had hanging in, in my living room that were his. And I liked them. It's not that I didn't like them. They they were beautiful, but I I just I felt like I needed a change, and and she loved those, and so I asked her if she'd like to have them, and she was absolutely thrilled. So then I had a big blank spot on my wall, and I had met somebody here on the island who's an artist who does beautiful work. I just love it. It's so positive and peaceful, and, and it just feels. I always when I walk into a room and her art's in the room, it just feels good to me. And she had just had an experience where the the where she had sold her art always had because of the problems with the pandemic she no longer had access to that and so all of a sudden her like her income was cut off from her art so I bought um, four pieces of, of her work and that's what hangs in my living room now and I feel so good about that because I love her work I love being able to support her when she could really use it. And I love being able to give something to my friend with those pieces that were Ron's that that he loved and she loves. And it just kind of all the way around, it felt really good. And now when I walk into my living room and I see those, it's just, to me, it's so peaceful and beautiful and different colors than I'd used before in decorating. And it, it just felt really good. So it, I think uh-huh. it's important. Now I didn't I didn't change everything in my house. I changed mm-hmm. some things that that resonated with me that uh, helped me feel better at the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know that's. I mean, I can understand that changing everything, but but the symbolism in being able to you know pass on Ron's work, you know, to someone who mm-hmm. you know would would really enjoy it, you know. And yeah. you know, and I'm probably probably makes him happy, you know, that that it's being, yeah. you know, uh-huh. enjoyed in a new environment for, for it. Um but then also, you know, like you say, you know, creating that special new 
feeling for you, you know, that, that particular mm-hmm. space is, yeah, that, that's a really wonderful thing. So um, we're, we're about halfway through the show, Emily. So I want to take just a, a quick 90-second um, break. And then when we come back, um, I want to talk um, a bit about the idea of self-care and how important that is during the grieving process, okay? Okay, that's great. Okay, great. Okay, everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Emily Thoreau-Threat, and we are talking about her new The Grief and Happiness Handbook, as well as cards, Um, and we'll be talking about those shortly. For more information, you can visit Emily's website, which is www.griefandhappiness.com, or you can also visit the website Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief.net. Okay, with that, we're back, Emily. Hello, I'm here. Great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, one of the things, you know, there's a very important theme that you talk about in your books and work, and that is the importance of self care. Um, so, can you talk, you know, about about its importance, and then you know, particularly in times when grief is you know part of you know one's life, um, how especially important that is. Uh, one thing you know, people come to me frequently and say, "What what do I what can I do?" <laughs> you know, when especially early in grief, when when somebody has just gone through the transition of someone that they love and they it's not unusual to feel kind of lost because your life is profoundly different all of a sudden and they're not sure what the best thing is for them to do to uh to just exist anymore and what happens is people will frequently um not be talking a lot. They might not remember to bathe. They might spend a lot of time in bed. They might not be eating very well. Either they're eating way too much or they're not eating anything healthy or they're not eating anything at all. Um, it, and just just the whole process of getting dressed or keeping clean is is kind of beyond them because they're just in a different space. And 
when you recognize that, that that's happening with you, then, then you can do something about it and, and you can make a special effort to be sure that you have, for instance, healthy food in the house. It's easy to just grab and eat instead of relying on a bag of chips or, or something like that mm-hmm. because it's there and it's easy. And if when the, the more self-care you can practice, it's a way of, of loving yourself, of nurturing yourself during this, this tough time. And I, I, just, I can guarantee that if you can get yourself in the shower or get into a bathtub, that you're going to feel better afterwards, even if you don't feel like you want to. To just do things like that really helps. And it's so important to take care of yourself and to be easy on yourself. Don't have big expectations of yourself. That whatever happens, just be be kind to yourself. Yeah, you know that, that is so important. I, I have seen um, many people, you know, who um, get to the point where they allow their grief to really put them in a a space that you know. We're seeing light and happiness and joy um, doesn't seem possible, you know. In that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you know, I've found myself trying to help someone, you know, in that space, and it can be challenging because I, you know, I don't want to come off as, you know, you need to do this, or you know. Um, yeah, you this, yeah. You know, you know that, that kind of thing when, you know, because I, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, negating, you know, their feelings, you know, their their sorrow, um, but also I want to be able to, you know, maybe provide, um, you know, just a, a path, an act, an activity, or an action that may, you know, just shine a light, a little bit of light, you know, in, into that darkness. But that's hard sometimes yeah, that, to be able to do that. It, it, it is, and, and sometimes it might come across as too much. A lot of times just sitting with someone is, is really good. And instead of, for instance, telling them to eat healthy, um, stop by and bring them a basket of strawberries that you found at a roadside stand and, and you thought of them and so you just brought it to them to eat. So it, mm. it's it's not telling them to do something. It's saying, here, I thought maybe you'd enjoy this. And yeah. um, just see if you can just sit with them and let them talk. You don't have to say anything. You can just sit there and, and having your presence, having somebody there with them because I can't tell you how many people are isolated in their grief because nobody wants to be around somebody who's grieving or they'll say something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's good to know because I'm, I'm, I have to admit, <laughs> I'm not one that sits well, <laughs> you know, but, uh-huh. but, but I can understand, you know, without, without, you know, talking or, you know, you know, just, providing some kind of lightness, you know, but um yeah. but I can understand that, that 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 is a that is a gift to be able to offer someone who is, you know, in, in that space. Mhm. 
I, I, I can give yeah. you an example of something somebody did for me. I hadn't been getting out of the house. It just was kind of beyond me at that point. And this one friend came over and she said, uh, we're going to the beach, you know, we're just get in the car. <laughs> it wasn't like a, a question, do you want to go or something like that. She just came and she said, this is what we're going to go do now. And we went there and I didn't have a whole lot of energy, but she brought a couple of beach chairs with her. So she put the beach chair up for me in the sand so that I could just sit there and enjoy the ocean. And she went on a walk and it was a change mm. of scene for me. It was, she wanted to go for a beach walk anyway. It wasn't a big deal for her to include me you know, in in driving me there. And by the time she got back from her walk, I just felt so much better. And she said, you want to stop and get something to eat on the way home? And I hadn't been doing anything like that. And we went to a restaurant I'd never been to before, just a a small little place that was really nice, Uh, just not not nice, expensive, but good food, good, good, interesting, different food. And by going in there, I felt more like talking than I'd felt in a long time. And she just kind of, sat there and let me talk and it just felt really really good and it didn't take her out of her way she was going to have something to eat anyway she was going to go on that beach walk anyway she just included me in it she just thought of me to take me along with that and it it really was kind of a a point for me that that made the difference that I thought I can do this. I I can drive myself to the beach if I want to. I can leave the house, you know, I can do these things. And it it felt really, really good. It was so positive and supporting. Oh, you know, and and it was probably good that she went and did her walk. So it kind of gave you that alone space that you were able to, you know, just be with with, uh, Mm -hmm. the sand and water. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, to remember really how much I love that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, one of the there, there's one I, um, idea that um, you talk about, um, and that is um, saying yes you know, mm-hmm. to things, you know, to life, to opportunities that that it can make you happier. So, you know, and, and I like that. I've, I've talked to a few people who have actually, one one person who went through a year of saying yes, you know, it's, it's like, whoa, you know. Um, but, you know, t- tell us, a, you know, just about your experience and, and just why that simple affirming yes um, can can lead to happiness. Oh, it, it's, it's fabulous. I know Shonda Rhimes, who, uh, the fabulous person who has uh, Grey's Anatomy and all those things. She wrote a book on her year of saying yes, and that was really inspirational. But with me, what happened, um, Jacques had died in February, and when it was getting time for New Year's, I was thinking, I'm not making any progress here. I've got to do something. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to write New Year's resolutions because they'd never worked for me in the past. I'd write them, but that was, you know, you forget Mm -hmm. about them in a week or so. So I thought, what can I do? And I decided I'm going to have one one thing this year that I'm going to focus on, one thing that I know that I'm absolutely going to commit to doing. And what that was was to accept invitations, so essentially saying yes to invitations. And 
I, when that came to me, I thought, well, this is just weird because nobody's been inviting me to do anything. I hadn't been being social <laughs> at all. But I thought, no, there's there's a reason this, this feeling came through me so strong that I needed to accept invitations. And as soon as I made the decision, the invitations started coming. And I had wonderful opportunities doing things that I never would have thought of to do if I had to figure out what I was going to do just by saying yes. And it it totally opened me up. It totally allowed me to see that I could do this on my own. I I can be happy. I don't have to sit by myself and be sad all the time. I, I can make the most out of my life. And the invitations were totally unexpected. The, the first one was I got asked to be on the editorial board for the newspaper. And wow. it was a one-year position. And it was fascinating. <laughs> it was it's so interesting to do. And I met so many neat people. And I I just uh, was so, so happy that, because if I wouldn't have made that commitment, I'm not sure I would have said yes when they invited me. I would have talked myself out of it. But I didn't because I'd made this commitment to say yes. And other things came along, like uh, my husband Jacques was a, a, a philosopher and a, a bioethicist, and, and he was on the um, ethics committee for the local medical center. And they called me and they, they said that there was a position available on that committee that uh, I couldn't have, like his position, because that was a professional position and mine would be a lay position. But they wanted me mm-hmm. to invite me to do that because they figured since I was married to him that I would be a really appropriate person to be able to help them make the decisions that that they made and that was a wonderful wonderful opportunity and i did other things like i was invited to do to create a film festival for our community and i did and i got invited to go to south africa and i did (laughs) all these different things that you know, I, I never would have thought about that. It, it, it never crossed my mind to go to South Africa, but I am so glad that I did and that I went with my friends that I went with. It, it was a, a really fabulous opportunity. And, and by making that commitment, it opened my eyes and my world to different things than, than I would have ever been able to come up with just on my own. Wow. Now, I rarely get invitations, but I would love invitations. So I think I'm going to go ahead and, you know, make that a, a stated um, goal, you know, to say yes to invitations. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's all you have to do. That's right. You, you don't have to, to decide what those invitations are going to be. You just say, I'm going to say right. yes to whatever they are. And then, you know, some might work out and some might not be so good. Like somebody might invite you right. to a new restaurant and it's no good. But you have the experience of right. going there and knowing that you don't want to go back, you know. Exactly, exactly. Those restaurants, I say, have gone twice, the first and last. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Exactly. Well, good. Well, I like that. I really like that. That's something I'm going to do myself. Um, now, um, let's. I want to kind of spend a, a few minutes talking about your card set, the Grief and Happiness Cards, Gentle Support for Dealing with Grief and Finding Happiness. So tell us about the deck. 
Well, the way that the debt came around was uh, a few months after Ron died, one of his dear friends uh, just dropped dead on his way home from work. And he was a a younger man. He called my husband dad. So that much of an age difference. And they were neighbors of ours on the mainland before we moved here to Maui. And I was so worried about his wife because she wasn't at an age where she would have even been thinking about what what would happen if her husband died. And I wanted to be able to support her more than just like through the the funeral because she was surrounded by tons of people at at that time. And I was Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what I could do from afar. And I thought, I'm just going to write her every week. I'm going to mail, put something in the mail so she'll have something to look forward to that'll be coming to her the same day every week. And so that would be 52 different things. So I made these these little cards up that I printed off my computer that had a picture that I'd taken on Maui on the front and then on the inside. I wanted to write something different every week that would be provide comfort and support and, and love for her. And I thought, well, I better make sure I've got 52 different things that I can write about before I start this project. <laughs> so I sat down and I, I made myself a list of 52 different things and it it worked out really well. Well, as a writer, I've, I've taught writing at the university for most of my career. Uh, I thought, this is an outline. So that's where my books came from. Actually, uh, each book has 26 chapters, and each one of those chapters represents one of those 52 things that uh, I, I wrote about in those cards to her. And when I was getting this, this most recent book published, the uh, publisher asked me about it. She said, I... I love the idea of those cards you wrote. Have you thought about publishing them? And I said, well, yeah, I have, but I haven't been able to figure out how to do it because it just didn't seem cost-effective anyway that I'd looked at because I didn't really have the mm-hmm. the knowledge to, of how to look for it. And so she showed me some, some examples of cards that they had done, and I thought, oh, this is absolutely perfect. So what we did was it made a box set of cards. It's got 52 different cards in it. And each one of them has a different picture that I've taken here on Maui of all the beautiful things in nature that's here. You just feel like you've been on a vacation when you look at the, the cards. And then on the other side, it it has uh, one of the things from the, of the things of those 52 things that I wrote to her. And I can read you a couple real quick if you'd like me to. They're not long. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. I would love to hear that. Okay. Uh, this one, I'm just grabbing them randomly so that they're on all different That's kinds great. of things. Perfect. This first one <laughs> is uh, Cry When You Need. It's being alone can trigger tears. If it does, cry, sob, or scream if that's what you need. You may feel that sometimes you just need to cleanse and let the water run through you. Screaming and sobbing are okay. No judgment. Let it all flow out. You may not feel better afterwards, but that doesn't matter. What matters is that you do what you need to do, then keep moving forward. And what's the picture of that that goes with that one? Um, um, That one is... um, it's a picture of oh it's it's really pretty. I took it in a botanical garden here on the island and it's a it's a pathway and it's all surrounded by beautiful green things but you can see the light at the end of the path. Ah, wonderful. Good. <laughs> okay, great. And one one more. That would be great, please. One more. Okay. Do something for you. 
Embrace this moment and do something you've always wanted to do. Do you want to go on a cruise? Do you want to have a party? Do you want to take a class? Do you want to travel and visit your friend? It doesn't matter what it is. Experience it. Bask in the joy of new opportunity will bring. And know that these moments are essential to your grief journey. Oh, that's a good one. That kind of really falls in that self-care that we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, it does. And each one of them is different. They're totally different, totally different subjects. And just uh, you can pick them up and think, well, now maybe it is time for me to do that. With with me, I went on a journey because I'd always wanted to go there, and I just did it. <laughs> I surprised myself, and I'm so glad I did. It was fabulous. That's that's great. That's great. That sounds like a wonderful. And the fact that there are 52 cards, and you can kind of focus on one a week, um, it it really, I think we know that kind of process, um, really um, makes it um, you kind of a, it kind of. Instills, you know, the idea that first of all that it's not a quick fix, you know. I mean, in the sense that you can be going through the year, but also it's um, kind of a full year of working on various aspects of your life, you know, improving various aspects of your life. So, and so in a way, it's like a program. In 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 that. That and it it also makes a really good bereavement gift. Because, you know, people give flowers and they wilt. And this, you can give it to them and they've got it forever. And you can use it as they want to. Or you can do like I did with after I sent those first 52 cards to my friend, I ended up having six other people, so a total of seven within a couple-year period that, that lost someone very close to them. And so I I sent those cards that I was making at that time out to them once a week for a year for all of them. And I got the most wonderful feedback from the people saying how how much they appreciated that support. And these are a, a good size cards. They're real nice and sturdy, but you could get a, like a box of envelopes and put one in a in a put one of the cards in one of those envelopes every week and just send it to your friend who's who's feeling with grief, getting them one at a time and getting that support. Wow, that's great. That's wonderful. Yeah, because, you know, right after someone, you know, someone loses someone, you know, that uh, there's always a, a rush of of people around and, and handling things, but then it, it, it kind of wanes, you know, as, as time goes on. And, you know, the support that was there immediately afterwards um, kind of diminishes. Um, so in this particular case, you're, you know, you're providing a, a consistent, you know, um, form of support. Yes. And and mm. that, that is so welcome to someone who's grieving. Yeah, very much so. Now, you also are the um, f- facilitator of, of a, a group called the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Tell us about yes. that alliance. Well, that's something that I formed of because I had been helping people with writing through grief online, and I kept felt like feeling like something was missing. And so I came up with this concept of 
teaching people that they can grieve and be happy at the same time. And that was inspired by Marcy Shymoff's book, Happy for No Reason. And with her permission, I've been using all that she's learned uh, over her lifetime of studying about happiness. She's allowed me to use that to help teach happiness practices to people. And so now we get together every week on Zoom and have a gathering where we'll write together about grief and then we talk about what we wrote and that's in small groups so everybody gets to be heard and, and to listen to other people. And then we learn a happiness practice every week. And all of it is at no charge because we've formed this Grief and Happiness Alliance nonprofit organization that pays for everything so that we can support people without charging them to get help with their grief. Wow, that's a wonderful service to to offer folks um you know and especially in you know being able to do it via zoom you know that, that eliminates yeah. a lot of uh geographic challenges to for people to find um a support group um around that's them. right and we have we have people from all over the world actually that come to it mm-hmm. and that's neat because you're meeting different people from different societies different cultures uh, different ways of doing things, and and our group uh, most recently we've had somebody from Saudi Arabia, somebody from Sweden, somebody from England, several people from Canada, uh, New Zealand, Australia, so and all across the United States. It it's just I think it's wonderful to meet all these different people and to get to support each other with we've all got something in common so it's real easy to talk to each other uh, absolutely that, that's wonderful well emily I, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation just as i did in the first one a couple of years ago um, but this one oh. has even more meat to it so i want to yeah. thank you now if people want to get people want to get in touch with you or contact you what would be the best way for them to do that well, you can go through uh, my website or our website, griefandhappiness.com, or my email is emily at griefandhappiness.com. And uh, you're welcome to contact us. You're, if you go to that website, you can see where you make a reservation each week uh, to go to the gathering if that you'd like to attend that, too. And we welcome you to come to that. Great. Well, thank you for your time today. I, I really appreciate it. Well, I'm so glad that you invited me back. That's just wonderful. <laughs> I, I too. And I guess the sign-off would be mahalo? <laughs> yes, mahalo. That's right. Thank you in Hawaiian. Mahalo and aloha. <laughs> Absolutely. So, well, so, well, thank you, Emily. And, and um, I look forward to you know, keeping in touch and, you know, having you on for the next creation that you come up with. That sounds great. Thank you. You're you're welcome. Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Emily Thoreau, and we have been talking about her new Grief and Happiness Handbook and the cards. Um, Again, you can find out more by visiting the website, www.griefandhappiness.com. And everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this, this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again,
Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit byteradio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.